Hello, my fellow underdogs, and thank you for listening to our podcast's very first episode of Success for the Underdog. This episode is very special because I get to have a conversation with my dear friend, Kate Geller, who is a beacon of quote-unquote success. I chose Kate's episode to be our first because I think her success story is so important. Without giving away the entire episode, after graduating NYU in 2013, Kate's mental health and struggles with addiction started to manifest. Not only that, but during her early sobriety, Kate gained over 60 pounds in a very short amount of time. However, body dysmorphia prevented her from seeing the realities of her increasing weight gain. Soon after Kate moved back to Los Angeles, she got hired as digital marketing manager at a company called Kiss My Keto. While working with Kiss My Keto, she joined a community of unconditional acceptance and began to change the way she looked at herself and how she chose to live moving forward. By sharing her resilience and her own story of growth with others, she began the path to reclaiming her own body and her life. I urge you to follow Kate Geller and her upcoming podcast called Shame on Shame on Instagram at Kate on shame. And without further ado, here is episode one of success for the underdog with my good friend and fellow underdog, Kate Geller. Hi, Kate. Hi, Rachel. We start this podcast, Success for the Underdog, with two questions. And the first question I'll just ask you is how would you personally define the term success as it applies to your life today? Oh, man, that is such a good question. And I feel like it truly evolves every single day. I think that the answer I give you right now would be different from the answer that I would give you tomorrow, different from what I would have given you yesterday. And to me, that is actually a sign of success because for me, the definition of success is growth. Couldn't have said it better than myself. I mean, really, like I was just, I just was about to write down growth. Really? Were you really? Yeah, I think that's a great definition. And also, I think as it applies to my life and everybody else's life right now, especially with the global pandemic, you know, you really don't know, or I'll speak for myself, I really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or what I'm going to want to do with my life tomorrow. And that's the whole point of this podcast. So I'm just going to follow that up with asking you, how would you have defined the same term success or to be successful? 10 to 12 years ago when you graduated high school? Oh my God, Rachel, these questions are so good. Um, Okay, 12 years ago when I graduated high school, I can tell you what, do you want to know what I would have said or do you want to know what I would have felt? Because what I would have felt is the more honest answer. I'd like to hear what you would have said first and then I want to hear the honest answer after that. Okay, So what I would have said, I probably would have said happiness. I probably would have said happiness. Um, 
And for me at that time, happiness was having a big circle of friends, having, um, it was, it was very social, right? My life was very like revolved around being social. Um, and then I would say, man, at that time I wanted to be a comedian. Um, so I, I wanted to intern at SNL. I wanted to be in all of the best comedy classes. Um, so I think for me, like success at that time was very much about external validation. So it was very much about like, who was I hanging out with? What job did I have? How good did I look to other people? Um, so yeah, I would have said like successful comedian, friends, social life. But for me, it was external validation. Whereas now it's all internal validation. So it sounds like you've had a lot of time to kind of process all these feelings and kind of reflect on the differences between what you would have wanted for your life back then and what you want for yourself now. Um, I'm sure, you know, you said something about interning at SNL and being a comedy writer and a comedian. I'm sure moving to NYU or mm -hmm. well, you went to Gallatin, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, went I do to remember that. And my constant, so Gallatin is a small liberal arts or it's a small interdisciplinary school within NYU. And just for anyone listening to this, it allows you to design your own major. So my major was in creative writing with an emphasis on comedic writing. And that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Rachel that there. NYU, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So you graduate high school, you move to New York from LA. You're all of a sudden in the big city. You're a writer. What's going on? <laughs> so are you liking it? Are you liking New York? Yes, I absolutely. I absolutely loved it. And I don't think I was ready for it at all. Um, I, I really like dove right in and just looked at it as my playground, like a place where I could do whatever I wanted. My parents weren't there. It was the big city. Like everyone who goes to NYU is kind of like sophisticated. I know that sounds weird, but no, honestly, I was just in the city the other day in the village and I was just like, wow, everyone's so sophisticated yeah, and hip no. and smart. Exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of like it feels like the coolest of the cool are, are all kind of there. Um, and it was very fast for me. Like, I know I'm not going to speak for you, but like we both come from like Jewish families in LA <laughs> where like <laughs> my parents we definitely do. <laughs> yeah, definitely, honey. Nobody uh, can know the realities of having a Jewish mother from LA unless you really have one. <laughs> and you everything it. that you ever watched in every Judd Apatow movie ever. Kate, so you graduated NYU, correct? I did graduate NYU. And what did you do after that? So I felt like a big shot. I was living in Brooklyn. I was living with my friend who like worked in fashion. And I got a job in video journalism um, based in Times Square. So I was, my title was like editorial content strategist. But did I say I was living in Brooklyn and working in Times Square? 
You did. And it was like the coolest thing I've ever heard okay. in my life. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I thought it was so cool. I was like taking the subway. Like, wow. She's living the city life. Love yeah. It. Living the city life. But I mean, I was barely making it through a day. Um, at that time, like I partied a lot in college. I drank a lot. Um, I did Coke. Um, I lived in Europe for about a little over a year. I did a lot of Molly, a lot of ecstasy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and like, it was like, like looking back, it's like cool New York, like drugs are not cool people, but like what I was doing, like, I thought it was like, I was like cool, fast New York, like club life. You know what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. Yeah. Not from experience, but from watching it in movies and stuff. It's exactly, yeah, you watch it in the movies. Yeah. Um, Well, so what, so like, catch me up here. What happened when you moved back to LA? Like where, where did, or where did New York stop and LA start again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm doing all of these habits, right? My last year of college. And when I graduated college, those behaviors didn't stop. So I have this big job in Times Square, but I'm at lunch, like going to the liquor store with my coworker who also like loves to go out and getting these like little mini shots of tequila. And we're like, oh my God, this is so funny. Like we're going to like drink tequila on our Like New York, right? Yeah. (laughs) No one does that. (laughs) No one does that. And no, people do it. People do it. I did it. Did you? Excuse me? I said, did you? I did. I, I got really into drinking and drugs and um, I know I too gained a lot of weight, but this isn't about me. It's more about you. But I think that everything you're saying right now is kind of a deja vu or almost you're telling my story to the T um, in a different way, though, I guess. But anyways, um, so you, you you're getting into bad what? habits. Yeah. So what, what happened to make me move from New York to LA? So, um, my boyfriend on and off of seven years who you knew, um, he, yeah, Jake, he passed away unexpectedly. Um, so this was, I graduated in May and he passed away in December. Of what year? Uh, 2013, December, 2013. And I graduated May 2013. So I lasted in New York for about a little over six months after I graduated NYU. And um, yeah, I really just had a nervous breakdown. Like I already had problems, Rachel. Like I already definitely had a drinking problem. But his death was kind of the excuse that I needed to take it to a whole new level. That is so honest. And uh, honestly, it takes a lot of self-reflection and I guess inner, I don't know, looking inside of yourself to know that it wasn't necessarily always grief. Um, But I I mean, I think this is what you're saying, but it was also a way for you, like with the little tequilas in in New York to kind of go off and, and drink and use, right? Yeah. And thank you so much for recognizing that because when I first got sober, um, I would tell people, yeah, my boyfriend died. Like I didn't know how to grieve. So I drank, but 
only in like recent, like maybe the last three years, I've realized like, no, dude, like you had a problem (laughs) to begin with, you know, this was just like the excuse or something maybe that tipped it over, like tip took it over the edge. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's when I moved back to LA, I broke my lease with my best friend. I kind of left him high and dry. Um, and yeah, we're back in LA, just kind of drinking and, and dealing with your former boyfriend's death, which by the way, I knew Jake and he was amazing. And I, I felt that loss, uh, for you. Thank and you. I saw you a couple of times during that time. And I remember, uh, being a little worried, <laughs> um, but because I care about you, I've, for those of you who don't know, Kate and I went to high school together. I've known Kate for a school. long time now and middle school, excuse me. She, she direct, or she was in the 12 dancing princesses play with me where I played the prince. <laughs> I uh, think I actually was the assistant director. Oh, you weren't one of the various princesses. I'm pretty sure. No, I was the assistant director in Annie. I want to know kind of, I guess, a little more about how keto came into your life. I want to know a little more about the health stuff that you were starting to recognize and and feel in, in inside rather than like the external views of what everyone thought of you. When did that kind of shift into keto and how did that help your life and affect your life? Yeah. Um, no, good question because that, that was a really big shift. Um, and I will say that before, before keto happened, which was like a a huge turning point for me, there were years that led to the point that I needed to go on keto, that I needed to do keto. Um, I had spent, by the time I, I started keto in 2018, I had gained over 60 pounds um, in the course of four years and I'm five foot one. So I went from 120 pounds to over 180 pounds, which is obese. How did you, so you're saying that for years you had this other issue with, um, I guess the weight gain uh, along with the drinking and the drug usage, but do you consider food and kind of body dysmorphia, a part of that addiction, a part of that, um, I guess, what brought you to a bottom? So after Jake passed away, I got a one bedroom apartment in Venice Beach and I locked myself in that apartment for about a year, barely leaving. Um, The only time I would really leave was to go out, go drinking with friends. I couldn't keep a job. Um, and I was just hiding myself away. Like I was hiding cause I didn't know how to deal with my feelings and my habits were just getting worse and worse. So it got to a point where I needed, my family had an intervention. I needed to go to treatment for addiction. Um, so I went, I went to rehab. I went actually twice because the first time didn't work. <laughs> so what happened was you went to rehab for a certain amount of time and then you relapsed on drinking or drugs or so drugs were not the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, like, like drugs in the way that you would think I didn't have a Coke problem. I didn't have like an ecstasy problem or anything. My issue was Adderall. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was actually prescribed Adderall from the time that I was 12. 
So what the issue really got to eventually was I was in a vicious cycle of, like I just told you, I would shut myself in my apartment for like days, weeks, like drinking, just inviting people over to drink with me. And I would get too drunk and have to go do something. And I would take Adderall to get sober, to sober up. And then I would have taken so much Adderall that I felt like a robot. So Mm. I would drink. So I didn't feel like a robot. And then I would be too drunk and take Adderall again. And so it was this cycle of Adderall, alcohol, Adderall, alcohol. And that, that was what like, really, when it comes to like, what chemicals fucked me up? Am I allowed Mm -hmm. to swear? Yes. Fuck shit. (laughs) Okay. So when it came to like, if like, I look at like, what chemicals did I put in my body, like addiction wise that like fucked me over? It's those two things. Those two things were my problem. So I went to treatment within like the second time I went was in within a year of the first. So I went to treatment basically two times in one year. That was how quickly I relapsed. Not unheard of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it when it was, it's a long story, but it really wasn't my fault. I still really don't think it was my fault. <laughs> Honestly, Kate, whatever it was, you're where you are now. And that's what's important. Thank so you. yeah, I'm sorry. You keep asking me when keto came into the into the game. Did you have some time sober and you discovered it? Or did a friend tell you about it? Or yeah. So um when I, when I finally like came out of the treatment center that actually worked, um, I was great. I was on this upwards path. I was getting really into like Buddhism, mindfulness, meditation, like really developing healthy habits and really just like getting to know myself again without the Adderall and the drinking. Yeah. And getting to know myself for the first time, like as a young adult, I think I was like 25 at the time. Um, I was 25. And so I'm doing all of this amazing inner work, but at the same time I'm gaining weight. Like it was crazy. It was like the inside of me was healing, but the outside of me was showing the exact opposite because I was like blowing up in a quick amount of time. Right? Yeah. So I was diagnosed with abnormal weight gain wow, you got a diagnosis. Yeah. You're lucky. Honestly, I I went through the same thing. I just honestly didn't even notice. It didn't even occur to me that how much weight I had gained after my first semester of college until somebody brought it up. Yeah. Um, I needed to see. I think I didn't really want to see, or maybe I didn't care. Who knows? But really, once I did see, that's what the turning point was for me personally. Um, I don't think I stopped drinking and it didn't help, but I did see how much weight I had gained personally, like in, in such a short amount of time. Um, but I never got a diagnosis. So, so you got this diagnosis and how did that make you feel? What did you do? What did you, where did you go from there? Well, actually, here's the thing. My story is actually exactly like the one you just told where I didn't get that diagnosis for a long time. So I lived at an obese weight thinking I was thin, like for a good year. Um, And there was no diagnosis. Like the only thing the doctors kept telling me was great job. You're sober. Like, wow, you're doing great. You know, because that was the that was the bottom line. 
Um, yeah. And yet you what you saw what they told you, right? Like you, you've and it is a bit of big accomplishment to be sober after such a long time of like constant drinking and Adderall and drinking and Adderall. Um, but nobody was really telling you, hey, like, are you doing OK physically? Yeah. I mean, the first time it happened, I had um, a psychologist said it to me. That was the first time I I recognize it. Um, they said to me, like, so can we talk about the fact that you're gaining a lot of weight? That's what they said to me. And I was like, what? I'm Honestly, yeah. Like, what are you That's talking about? That's how it about? happens, though, because it's like you don't even realize. I mean, I'll speak for us. You know, I didn't even realize. Yeah. You know, um, and that body dysmorphia is so real. Mm-hmm. It's it's so real. It's like that cunning, baffling real. Um mm-hmm. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. Uh, That's how I felt. And, you know, once I did see it, you know, coming home for Christmas and for holidays, seeing my friends see it, too. Personally, in my experience, like, you know, my friends knew me as skinny, skinny Rachel. You know, I did. Maybe I didn't develop. I don't know. Uh, Either way, seeing my friends faces, too, was really hard for me. Um, And it was a real reality check. And so you know, I didn't really have that diagnosis part and I didn't really get introduced to keto either. Um, so I really want to know how, how that went down how you found out about it and what got you started. Yeah. Um, I also just want to acknowledge that everything you said, I feel so deeply, like literally every single thing you just said, I, yes, like, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Um, I'm so sorry. Kate, I'm so happy you're doing this, this interview. Like when I saw you were doing this podcast, I was like, oh my God, like, (laughs) it's like so important that people know your story and and people know my, like people know everyone's stories. Yeah. Um, I really think that (laughs) looking at you now, I mean, you look beautiful, you're glowing and you look happy and confident and Let's continue. <laughs> so do you. And and it, it is true. I mean, I remember when you went through your like rapid weight gain and I remember talking to you about it. And it was when you saw me struggling with what I said was Jake's death, which I was struggling with, but I really am just was straight up had a drinking problem. Um, yeah, I mean, the fact that you took me to my first AA meeting is like very um, meaningful. So I'm grateful to be here and I'm grateful to have this discussion with you. Mm. Well, thanks Kate. Yeah. You know, I did, we got dinner and I remember, um, seeing, I don't know. I do. I, I'm not one to judge. And, but I did, I could tell that you didn't stop drinking. Um, so I didn't want to pressure you into it, but I was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, to a meeting after this. You want to join yeah. me? for fun, you know, or it was like for shits and gigs. I don't know, whatever. I kind of wanted you to check it out. And so you did. And I think I didn't hear from you for a while after. Yeah, no, I didn't. I wasn't into it. Like that's okay. Because I was in denial at that time. I was in denial. Um, Also, you weren't ready, you know? Yeah, I wasn't ready. And let's be real. I'm not in AA right now. Like I don't do AA. I don't drink. I I believe you drink, right? I do drink. Um, I, as of I think summer 2016 and we won't get too far into it, but I had a boyfriend who was in AA. I knew him so very complete drug addict normally. And when he relapsed, you know, heroin is a scary drug. 
um, it kind of shook my world and it, it made me reassess my relationships and all of them were in AA and just like friendships and people I talk to daily. And I really felt that I needed to expand out of that um, environment because it really ripped me apart. And so once I did, you know, I was on birthright. This was like months late. I didn't even decide to stop. You know, I, I didn't decide to stop being sober right away, but I didn't want to go to the rooms anymore. And then I was on birthright in Israel and I was like, you know what? I want, I want some wine at Shabbat dinner and I'm going to do this for me. And I did. And I honestly, I, I don't regret it. I, I, I have been socially drinking since and I'm okay, but I will never say to myself that I'm not an alcoholic because I really needed AA at that time in my life. Yeah. Um, and the structure and the friendships. I mean, I attribute everything I have today to my time being sober. Um, that is so, it's, so interesting, Rachel. <laughs> That's so interesting. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like you don't hear people say that shit. Like you don't hear people say that. Um, I think it's really hard for people to understand sometimes, especially people in the rooms, because sometimes sobriety is very black and white. And that's what I was about to say. Exactly. (laughs) I hate to take this interview. Please, you talk. You talk. This is (laughs) your interview. No, no, no. No, we're having a conversation. This is yes, this is conversation based. You're right. I told you. No, I was gonna validate what you said and say that you know, sobriety and AA and being an alcoholic, it's there, it's all like so polarized it's like either you're an alcoholic or you're not an alcoholic either you're you know sober or you're not sober like and either you're a dry drunk or you're a drunk like there's no I think that um a lot of people I grew to love and get close to in the rooms you know some people couldn't couldn't separate that idea, you know, like some people couldn't. And I, I honestly respect every decision from the few people that needed space and couldn't hang out with me if I wasn't in the rooms. That's okay. Like, I respect that for your sobriety. However, yeah. I am still very close friends with a lot of the people I got sober with. And some of them are still sober and some of them aren't. Yeah. Um, but either way, I have some lifelong friendships from those rooms, but I needed to get out of it um, for that time. So back to you though. <laughs> oh my God. But this is so, such a good conversation. Like I have so much. Can I just say one thing? Say everything. <laughs> Wait. Say anything. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh just my God. Just start cussing. Start cussing? Yeah. Fuck We're allowed it. to do that. This is HBO. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, what I wanted to say was, oh, I remember. Um, I might not be in AA anymore either. I am. I don't drink. I don't drink. Um, I'm not sober. So I don't drink. Um, but I w- and when I say I'm not sober, I say I do things that would be condemned in AA. But for me, Kate Geller, like my own values, I consider myself sober. I haven't had a drink in five years. You know, that is all that matters. If you're okay with where you are in life, like the, I, I thought, you know, coming into the rooms and I still believe this, that the point of getting sober is to go back into real life and live your life and integrate yourself yes. as a human being. And as myself, Rachel, and, you know, as yourself, Kate, an adult woman, you know, who's so talented and smart and isn't really held back by, you know, those addictions and, 
um, the dysmorphias and the denials. And I, I only speak for you because I, I went through the same thing and I'm mostly speaking for myself, but I think it's really important that you said that too, because it, you know, it, 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 it can be very black and white, um, very polarized. And I think that it's not the case for everybody. Um, I think that whatever it takes to get you to become a happy person, functional in life and also successful. Yeah. Um, whether that means being closer to your family or having a cool job or, you know, being functional and, and sober and living life, whatever that means to you now, like it's very important that you got there. Um, yeah. So, and when you told me about keto, I actually ended up doing keto for like, I don't know, like a couple months. Really? And I had that one cheat day and I was like, oh man. When did we talk? I don't remember. We that. talked like, I don't know. I know I learned it about you because I asked you um, about cookbooks and you gave me some suggestions or I saw you were working for Kiss My Keto. Yeah. And I had been thinking about doing it. So I messaged you and asked you for some cookbooks and I got them and I did it. I lost like 11 pounds. Nice. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Honestly, I felt really great towards the end. Yeah. Um, but then you eat that bowl of, uh, pasta (laughs) and you're just like, I'm never going back. So I often actually compare keto to, um, like the keto mindset to the alcoholic mindset. Um, not, not the alcoholic mindset, the AA mindset where it's, it's an extremely restrictive, um, attitude towards some kind of a substance. So like keto, is to carbs in the way that AA is to alcohol. And there's like this kind of sinner mentality um, around carb consumption in the keto community where it's like, we call it like carb shaming. So it's like you shame people, you shame yourself for eating carbs. Like you shame, you know, I remember being at dinner with my family, we were having a barbecue in my mom's backyard and my family sitting around the table eating baked beans and corn. And I'm in my head looking at them and I'm like, oh my God, do they know how many carbs are in that corn <laughs> and those beans? Like <laughs> so many, that would be like the only carb for the day. <laughs> Not even, you could eat that shit. Like, <laughs> man, I had some cookbooks that said you could have a certain amount of whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that there, there is that polarized view as well. And tell me more, you say this keto community, I really want to know more about that. Like, Sorry, what does that mean? Dodging your, I keep dodging your question. By no, 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 I, it just came up and I, and I jotted it down. Cause I, I do want to know what it, you mean by a keto community and if, and how that's a thing and what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. If, if for the listeners, if you haven't gathered by now, I started working at a company called kiss my keto, um, about the timing was amazing. I got this job by accident. Like I applied to a bunch of jobs within five miles of my apartment on ZipRecruiter and kiss my keto happened to call me for an interview. I had no idea what keto was. I hadn't started it. it yet. Nothing. I didn't even know what it was. Like I had no idea. You just got this gig and you're like, I'm coming. Yeah. It was like the office was like half a mile from my house. I could walk like 
So I go in for the interview and I find out, oh, keto's like a weight loss thing. Like, and I'm <laughs> obese at the time. So, and I've been doing all of this work in manifestation and meditation and intention setting and like law of attraction and all this stuff. And like the one job, you know, I don't know. It was, it was, it was very weird. Um, it's weird how life does that. You know, the one thing you were missing really was that right. um, kind of that body image thing and all of a sudden you're thrust into this job interview. Yeah. At a yeah. keto company, which, you know, you're like, what the fuck is keto? And exactly. it ended up changing your life, right? Yeah, it changed my life. Um, well, well put. And so, and, you know, I told them, like, I'm struggling. I mean, it, if you looked at me, it was clear that I was struggling with weight. Um. And so really they encouraged me. They encouraged me to use the resources that were literally handed to me to reach my goal and, and feel good about myself in, with regards to body image. Wow. So like you got to be at a workspace or in a workplace where not only did you, I don't know, were you, were you selling the stuff? What was the position again? Sorry. I was the, their digital marketing manager. So gotcha. I was like doing like e-commerce sales, email, like just anything related to digital marketing. And my role, my role shifted eventually, but that's what I entered the company. Wow. At. So like it, while you're doing all this marketing stuff, you're also having access not only to these keto products, but also to this community you talked about of people, or at least your work that are encouraging you to try it and yeah. use it. Yeah. I think that's so cool. I mean, it was amazing. And like, it, it was so cool, Rachel. Like I also did the brand collaboration. So people would just mail me free products like every day, like no joke. It would be like a new product for me being like, Hey Kate, like we saw what you're doing. Like you should try this. Like I'd come home. I had a boyfriend at the time and he'd be like, are you kidding me? You're bringing more keto shit. Like we had a whole <laughs> pantry that was just all my keto. Stuff. Some of it's not that bad. And a lot of it is really hard to find. Like and I really had a hard time finding keto bars. Nobody sold at least three years ago, keto bars. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now all of a sudden you have all this access and you're with these people. So what was it like at work? Um, yeah. Like work the environment. Was Work was amazing. Um, it's the best work environment, like one of the best work. Actually, I think the best work environment I've ever had. Um, I was such good friends with everyone I worked with. But beyond that, like these people were like family to me. And the reason why this job was so transformative was because they allowed me to be myself. And in many jobs, like I would have had to hide my past. I would have had to hide like, oh, I tried to kill myself or like, oh, I, you know, gained whatever, 60 pounds or I uh, had an addiction to this, that and the other. In most work environments, you have to hide that. But in my work environment at Kiss My Keto, they told me, okay, go tell your story. Like, go, go do it. Like, we, we want, they want to hear it, you know? <laughs> so you keep, it, we, it's funny that we just transitioned from talking about the rooms and the A, but it does sound a lot like the rooms, like, like, a, like Alcoholics Anonymous, where you really do get raw and you share your past and that's what helps others. And it also helps you. And 
I'm sure going around telling your story, getting into keto and stuff really not only helped you, but helped others. Um, plus you had the merchandise, you know, you had a bunch of products to sell, but also, you know, I just think, um, there are a lot of similarities in that way. Uh, just a kind of community of people who are getting real with each other and honest with each other. And it sounds like open, like an open kind of community with each other. Yeah. Which is really what some people know. I needed that. And that's what I got from AA, you know? I've um, never... I've never drawn that comparison in that way. I've never drawn that comparison in such a positive way because like I said before, I've compared keto, the keto mindset to the alcoholic mindset in that it's very restrictive and very judgy about alcohol and carbs, right? But the positive part of the community is you are encouraged to bear all. Like it's just a community driven by self-improvement. That's so important. Like, it's just, it's really like, not only to get honest with not just a community, just one person, you know, to get honest and real with somebody about your past and to have that open environment in your workplace every day and to spread that, you know, to spread that vulnerability and that rawness and, and telling your truth. Um, I think, it sounds to me like you got really lucky <laughs> with this job. Um, yeah. Kiss My Keto sounds incredible. Uh, so so you kind of, you were sober how long when you started working there? I, I believe I hit two years when I was there. So I think it was, I think it was, it was just under two years. So okay. Like a year and a half, actually. <laughs> and now you're starting to learn about keto. And you're tell you're telling your coworkers and people about your past. And what do you think? How long do you think it took you to really kind of, I guess, accept this lifestyle or take it on with like guns blazing? You know, keto. You mean? Yeah, just like taking on keto and running with it. Oh, it was so fast because here's the thing: I was so desperate. I would try. I was so desperate. I would have tried anything to lose weight, to lose weight. Yeah. Um, and I mean, here it was, I'm literally like, it's my job. If I do a good job, like with keto, I felt like I was also doing a good job with my career. Right. So they were entangled. What better way to get to know your job and what you're selling and what you're marketing than doing it? Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly it. Um, so I, it was funny. I'll tell you this story really quick on the first day of work. I had a lunch break and I came back with a smoothie. This was literally day one. And I bring the smoothie in and I'm like, Hey guys, guess what? I got a smoothie. Like I got a keto smoothie and my boss, the co-founder, he's British. And he was like, well, Kate, tell me what, what's in that smoothie? Like, what, <laughs> what's in the smoothie? And I was like a banana, strawberries, peanut butter, like passion fruit. And I start naming all this shit that's not keto. Like banana. Isn't peanut butter okay? Or is that not like in small amounts? No, you're supposed to do almond butter. Almond butter. That's right. That almond butter toast I used to make was kind of dank. But like bananas and passion fruit, that would be like my sugar intake for like a week. Bananas are like a big no-no. I do remember that. I remember 
a few berries were okay once in a while. Exactly. You can be a forager. Just I mean, you can't just not have fruit. You know, it's like, at least for me, like I'll just faint or something if I don't get enough vitamin C or any kind of blood sugar. Um, Rachel, I once went 11 days without pooping when I was on keto. That's an issue. That's (laughs) That's my one thing. Yeah. No, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I mean, it was, that's, that is probably, I'm making keto out to seem terrible. No, keto, like for whoever's listening right now, Kate is glowing. Kate looks so healthy and beautiful and confident and just like from, I don't know, six years ago when we went to that meeting, uh, I guess, right? If you were Thank 25. Thank you so much. Like literally like between six years ago from that night and now I just like, I see a total success story. And oh. and the point of this show too, of success for the underdog is to kind of turn around that negative outlook of the quote unquote underdog. I think that most movies, most TV shows, most stories, books, are underdog stories and that's what makes them so great and interesting and and you do want to see that growth in any kind of story and no no I just want to say I love the concept of your podcast so much um I I love how many overlaps you and I have like not only in life like with the fact that we went to middle school and high school together but also just like with our beliefs and like with our missions and um, just our desire to elevate those who feel perhaps oppressed or wronged or othered or, you know, looked down upon. And so that's why I'm so excited for you. Anything I can do to support you, I'm here. Hey, that means a lot to me. And I'm, first of all, we're so glad you're doing like, I'm really, really this interview, by the way, five stars, <laughs> six stars out of five. Really, I think it's going really well, by the way. But I do want to know a little bit more about your podcast. I want to know about Shame on Shame. So tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, this is this is actually a great transition since we were great just segue. talking about. Yeah, great. No, great segue since we were talking about how free I felt in the keto community and how it was the first place where I was around a group of people who were really telling me like, share your truth, share your trauma. Like, like I had this one moment where I was at a, I went to a lot of conventions and I went to a convention called paleo FX. So it's like a paleo, paleo and keto have a lot of, it's basically the same thing. Yeah. a A few things here and there, but yeah. So I was at Paleo FX and there's this guy, his name is Sean Wells, and he's really well known in the keto supplement space. He's like one of the biggest formulators. So he actually like creates the formulas for like ketones and different supplements. Wow. Yeah. So I I um, had a relationship with like a friendship with him and he was kind of like a mentor to me at that point. And we went outside just to have a chat and I, we were outside talking and I just told him my whole story, like start to finish. And I was crying. And he, he said to me, he was like, Kate, I want to tell you something like, this is your superpower. Like you think all this shit is like a problem. Like, no, these, this whole crazy fucking story you just told me is your superpower. Like, 
And God, that gives me the chills. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So he told it me, is. here I am feeling so much shame, like so just like I fucked everything up. Like I fucked my whole life up. Like I threw it all away. That's so you I thought. Felt. That's how I felt. Yeah. But Sean was like, no, dude, like Sean was like, no, Kate, like, mm-mm. nope, you got to. So that day he challenged me and he told me, I want you to go up to a random stranger at this conference and tell them the exact story that you just told me. Like, just find someone, go up to them and tell them everything you just told me. And I was like, you're fucking kidding me. No. Fucking crazy, Sean. Like, no. <laughs> but he was like, no, trust me, just do it. And so... Um, I did it. I found this guy who was giving like vitamin IV shots and I told him my story as he was injecting my yeah, butt. I was going to say, a- did you get a vitamin IV shot? <laughs> yeah. In my, he's like injecting my butt with B, a B12 shot. And, I, and I'm telling him, <laughs> I was like, I know this is weird, but I have to tell someone this. And <laughs> this is my what? assignment. <laughs> I was just in Utah with him three weeks ago. This is, this is three the IV ago. shot guy or the, or Sean Wells. No, the IV shot guy. Oh, okay. Like, he's like part of my group of friends now. Like, oh we're my all- God. Yeah. So you told him your story. Mm-hmm. And how did he react to it? He was like, he, he's, he, I'm actually doing an interview with him on my podcast um, in the Tight. company. But he told me, I mean, I don't want to give away his stuff, but he was like, wow. Like, and he related to a lot of what I said. And then he has a podcast called how do you health so they they're like a vitamin bar um and so he was like you got to come on our podcast so i flew back to austin and was on their podcast like because the convention was in austin and i flew back like three weeks later not only for that for another event and um and this is back when you could just do podcasts in person with people yeah and fly out to places and this is pre-pandemic yeah. Oh, yeah. This was pre-pandemic. Yeah, this was late. This was early 2019. But without giving away too many of his details, I, it sounds like your story did make an impact on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you guys are still friends. Yeah. So that is that is that that is like the sentiment and the root behind my podcast. It's pretty um, really remarkable, Kate. Thank you. Um, and it's called Shame on Shame, right? Yeah. So my podcast is called Shame on Shame. Um, it is a podcast that explores everything about shame. So I talk about what shame is, where it comes from, the different things that cause it, how it shows up in our lives, like the different types of things that it affects and different tools to overcome it and how to deal with it and how to make peace with the things that have caused it. Wow. That's like so cool and important i think it's really so when when do you launch that podcast or is it already launched that's already out there the question of the year (laughs) um (laughs) we just got a launch day yesterday so don't worry it's it doesn't come quick well the, the curse of me is like i work in digital marketing so like I overthink everything. Like, I'm like, okay, I have to launch this first. I need to create the ebook. Then I need to do the quiz. Then we need to do the email. Social media. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right now I'm really like in the awareness building phase. Um, my website's like due to go up in like two weeks. Um, I can't wait. Thank you. Yeah. I but I need to hear it. You're so lucky that you have a team. Um, you're so lucky. Cause for I me, I am I'm- lucky. 
<laughs> Cal yeah. is very talented. Thank you, Cal. Um, Thank you, you could Cal. also find a team, you know. I um, could. I could. But honestly, like I said, I mean, how we opened this episode, you said to me, how do you define success today? That's going to stick with me. To me, success today is growth. And my ideas are changing every day. I come up with a new plan, like a new creative idea, a new piece of content, whatever, every day. So I'm kind of just rolling with it. And I, I, sorry, I, I imagine it will be out by the end of the summer. Well, I certainly can't wait to hear it. And also, I think that you're just so remarkable and, and intelligent. And you always have been, really. You're always in the smarter math classes. And, you know, you were always very smart. Um, and learning came easy to you from what I noticed. But I think that thank you, Rachel. that combined with this honesty and this kind of letting people hear your truth and your story. I mean, it's just like, it's so incredible. And again, thank you so much for doing this interview. I, I think I think it's the best interview I, I've ever <laughs> witnessed. I've ever conducted. I, <laughs> I've ever done. You're ever. like, it's the best interview <laughs> I'm of all on my time. performance now. No, you, you were great, Kate. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to listen to Shame on Shame and just to watch you grow and to watch you blossom and see what you do next. I think that it's fantastic. You're making me feel so good about myself. And as you should. Thank As you, you should. so much. Either way, Kate, thank you so much for doing this with us. Um, I know I can't wait to hear Shame on Shame and to watch that come together. And yeah, I guess I'll talk to you soon. We, we, we seriously thank you so much for coming on the show. Again, success for the underdog. You have a legitimate underdog winning story. And I can't wait to see more of it. I'm so proud of you, Rachel. And I'm... <laughs> You've grown up so much. Like we haven't like talked in like fucking years. Like I'm so proud of you. I've been, I'm watching you this whole time and I'm like, she's so mature. Like, cause it's so, it's so <laughs> weird to see someone who you knew when you were like 12 and then see them to, like as an adult. Let's have a phone conversation where we're not being recorded. Then my, my real immatureness will come out. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, but- thank you for having me. And I'm so excited about, everything you're doing. And like I said, anything I can do to support you, just I'm a, I'm a text message away. Ditto. Ditto. Um, for real. I, I, I extend the same offer to you and thanks so much again, Kate. Uh, I love you. Love you. Great chatting. Everybody check out shame on shame coming this summer at the end of the summer. Don't hold me to that. You know, I'm not, let's not hold her to that, but let's, just like expect it coming sooner or later. Right. Yeah. 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 No, it will be soon. It will be whether your social media, can we follow you on? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So follow me at Kate on shame. So it's Kate on shame and my website, kategeller.com should be up probably by the time this comes out. And Kate on shame. Is that Instagram, Twitter? It's just Instagram. That's the only place I'm at right now. All right. So everybody follow Kate on shame at Kate on shame. And for the meantime, and then look out for our website, kategeller.com coming out soon. 